Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to ask you to stay with me. It's going to be a time of motivation, some inspiration, always educational, and uh, we do it with no manipulation, no games, no gimmicks. We're not trying to hustle you. We're just here to give you some information, information that is my prayer will help you verify as well as identify God's plan for your life. And if I can do that, the Holy Spirit will do it. He'll help you. You can orient and adjust to the plan if you want to. You know, that's the one thing I've learned over the years. I cannot change anybody but myself. I'm responsible for me. I must change me. But I can't change you. You can only change you. We both have volition. God gave us our own volition, our own decider, our own chooser. He did not make us into little, small automatons, so he gives us freedom to choose. And uh, you have to choose, and I have to choose, to obey the mandates that are written and found in the Word of God. So thank you for listening to The Flatline. If you ever need to contact me, feel free to write to me at P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. And our zip code is 35054. We're not asking for money. Don't send money. Just saying if you'd like a question, if you'd like to write, if you'd like to contact us, that's how you do it. Or you can go through the website at rickhughesministries.org, rickhughesministries.org. If you go to our website, take a look at the many books that we offer. They're all free of charge, and uh, hopefully they will give you some uh, assistance as you pursue Christ in your spiritual life. We started last week a study on uh, your mind and how Satan attacks your mind, what he seeks to do in regards to you. And, uh, you know, someone asked me the other day, every now and then, are you near an airport? And my question answer is no, I'm not. I'm in a rural area, but I'm near a highway. And every now and then, a big truck will come rumbling down the highway. So if you hear a rumbling behind me, that's exactly what it is. So we started the doctrine of the mind, and we talked about how for the believer in Jesus Christ, spiritual IQ far outweighs human IQ. And spiritual IQ comes from us having equal privilege and equal opportunity, the privilege to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, and the opportunity to take God's Word, learn it, and use it. And we saw that spiritual IQ refers to our thought life. And as goes our thought life, so goes our spiritual life. And we saw where God said he searches our minds and searches our hearts in Revelation 2.23. Remember the difference between the mind and the heart. In the Greek New Testament, the word mind is spelled N-O-U-S. It means your noose, your noose. And the word heart is spelled K-A-R-D-I-A, cardia. And so... The mind is where we receive information, like you're listening to me, and hopefully you're comprehending the information. The heart is where you store the information in the frame of reference, the memory center, the vocabulary storage. You learn the Word of God, you, you hear it, and you believe it, you store it in your heart, and when, you, when it's in your heart, when you use it, it's called wisdom in the Bible. Sophia is the Greek word, 
And so the only wisdom comes from hearing and keeping the word of God in your soul, as our Lord said in Luke 11, 27, 28. So we saw that, and we saw in Isaiah where the Bible says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. It is your mind where you live your spiritual life. You are a sum total of your thoughts. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So when you look in the mirror this morning, don't look at what you look like. You can't tell. Look at what you think like. That's the real you, what you're thinking. And what should you be thinking? Well, we saw Lamentation 321, this I recall to mind. I recall to mind, therefore I have confidence. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. And so you recall, recall, recall. You, that means to remember scripture, to remember doctrine. And what Satan wants to do is recapture your thoughts. He doesn't want you to recall. He wants to recapture your thinking. And so he will try to neutralize your spiritual life. And sometimes you, quite frankly, do it for him. But I showed you how he tries to reclaim your affections. In 1 John 2.15, don't love the world, don't love the things that are in the world. I showed you how he will try to recapture your thoughts. And we saw 2 Corinthians 10.5 where we're to cast down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself over the knowledge of God. We saw where he will seek to redirect your focus. And in 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul said, don't look at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are not seen, the things that are not seen. Things that are seen are just temporary. Things that are not seen are eternal. Satan will try to get you preoccupied with the details of life, making you happy if you can just have this, just have that. Circumstances and people, as we've learned, are not a key to happiness. We have seen how Satan will try to get you to redefine your values. Therefore, the Word of God said in Matthew 6, 19, Lay not up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. And we saw where he would try to get you to reorder your priorities. And we saw where the Bible said we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <coughs> and then all these other things would be added to us. So God mandates that we think divine viewpoint. That's the mind of Christ. And we have the mind of Christ. The Bible is the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, who has known the mind of the Lord? We who will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. The New Testament writings are the mind of Christ. And keep in mind that he is God. He's the God-man. So he's the author of the Old Testament as well. And even though the Old Testament was not written to the believer, there are many analogies, many things that challenge us, many applications to us. The interpretation may be strictly for the Jew in some situations, like the law of Moses, but the applications are made for us as well throughout the Old Testament. So keep that in mind. And remember, God can read your mind like an open book. There's not a creature hidden before him, Hebrews 4.13 says, but all things are bare, having been exposed to the eyes of him of whom an account must be given. So God holds us responsible for what we think. 
He holds us responsible for the things that we choose, and so our thinking is critical. And, and our approach to life and the effectiveness of our Christian spiritual life depends on what we think. I showed you where you can psychologically harm yourself, where people actually suffer from ailments, from, from getting worrying and getting depression and things like this. Any psychiatrist or psychologist can tell you that and show you that it's common for people to get skin rashes and allergies and other things as a result of mental attitudes and physiological problems can be related to the thought process. So if our hearts are the right lobe of our soul, if we're thinking divine viewpoint, if we're occupied with the mind of Christ, we're going to have some stability and some inner happiness. But if we're thinking human viewpoint, uh, then we get involved in mental attitude sins, like, you know, jealousy and bitterness and pride and guilt and hatred. Those things cause self-misery. That's not what you want. So there are many different attitudes, but there are only two basic viewpoints in life. There's divine viewpoint. That's God's viewpoint. How does God think? Well, we have a key in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God doesn't think like we think. And here's the first key. We have emotions. He doesn't operate under emotions. You understand that? We get emotional. And sometimes you think you can get God emotional. We see a sunset. We see a sunrise. We have a great worship service. We see tears. We get emotional. And we say, boy, God was with us today. Well, he's with you every day. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's always with you. There's not a time that you're going to get emotional and have a great emotional experience and think you're going to have more of God now that God's going to bless you and God's going to give you more and more and more because you got emotional about it. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way the Bible works. So divine viewpoint is learning how God thinks. Well, how does he think? Look at the mind of Christ and you'll see. The New Testament and the Old Testament, the Bible shows you how God thinks. He doesn't think in terms of human viewpoint. He doesn't have human norms and standards. He doesn't have the philosophies of the cosmos diabolicus. Oh, that's a new word. Cosmos diabolicus. What in the world is that? Well, it is Satan's orderly, cohesive, and multifaceted system of thinking. And it includes a purpose and a policy and even a structure of authority designed to subvert the human race and gain control over the world that he, he now rules. So his diverse tactics express one strategy, and that's encourage our arrogance and to sponsor antagonism towards God. You see this in 1 Timothy 4 1. Now the Spirit expressly speaks that in the last days, latter times, whenever they are, some will renounce the faith by paying attention to deceitful spirits and even to teaching of demons. In 1 Corinthians 10 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of demons. That's the antagonism to God. 
That's the human arrogance. So we're warned in Ephesians 6.11, we're to stand against the strategy of the devil. Don't let him get into your mind. Don't let him redirect your focus. Don't let him change the way you think. And in Ephesians 4.27, Paul again says, don't give place to the devil. So since he cannot indwell any believer, he cannot indwell you. Don't buy into that. No demon and no satanic force can indwell any believer. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He cannot indwell you, but he can attack the way you think. He can use demon influence and he can use unbelievers to expedite his plan in your life. And that's how he infiltrates our minds with human viewpoint thinking and can even neutralize us in the angelic conflict. So that's why Paul warns us in Ephesians 6.11, put on the helmet of salvation. Keep Satan out of your mind. You understand that? He, Listen, you, you start looking at your horoscope every day and reading your horoscope every day. That has nothing to do with your spiritual life. Or you start reading some social uh, commentary about dear this, dear that. What should I do? My life is a mess. It's all human viewpoint thinking. It's everywhere. You go to the bookstore and you can read it everywhere. And sadly enough, most of it's in the Christian bookstores where people want to charge you for the word of God. When we're told clearly we got it free, we give it away free, you don't sell the Bible. You don't sell God's word. And yet people constantly write books, write study guides, and sell it to you and tell you that it's going to make you a better Christian. And that kind of stuff doesn't work. Until you get under the authority of a well-qualified pastor, until you sit under the ministry of a man who can teach you the word of God, line upon line, word upon word, you're never going to grow, not to the where you want to be, to where you begin to replicate the life of Christ, where you begin to think like Christ thought. That's why God gave the spiritual gift of pastor-teacher in Ephesians 4.17, so that we would have the same mind. We would think alike. We'd all be on the same page. So Satan has a cosmos diabolicus. He has a great system, a cohesive, multifaceted system of thinking, and it always includes his purpose and his policy. And to get us to get into our own arrogance, which is what he did with Eve when he told her God misled you. He doesn't want you to eat that fruit for one particular reason, and he appealed to Eve's arrogance. And then he sponsors human antagonism towards God. So anytime you hear someone say they're an atheist or they're an agnostic or they get a humanistic viewpoint, this is satanically inspired. So... Since he can't control you, he seeks to manipulate you by your mind to change the way you think. And so all human viewpoint thinking, someone once said, I think it was a pastor, a friend of mine in Georgia, that human viewpoint thinking is called the river of the lie. And divine viewpoint thinking is the river of truth. And these two often collide in history with catastrophic consequences, for sure. So the Bible tells us that the mind that's fixed on Jesus Christ our Lord will be at peace if you're occupied with him. 
you have the opportunity for perfect peace. Occupation with Christ is problem-solving device number 10 on the flot line of your soul. Remember, the show is called The Flot Line, and it's predicated on the fact that you can establish in your soul 10 problem-solving devices. Learn them, use them, and you'll stop the outside sources of adversity from becoming the inside sources of stress. So God wants you to have a flot line. He wants you to have that main line of resistance to combat satanic invasion into your mind. And so that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace, listen now, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Keeping your mind on God. Keeping your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping your mind in the scriptures. This doesn't mean you walk around like some holy guy, you know, saying praise the Lord, thank you Jesus all day long. I'm not talking about you being a weirdo, dressing up in black and carrying a 30-pound Bible around with you all day long. I always get amazed when I'm behind some car and they got some Bible in the back window and it's all open and the sun shining on it and it, it looks holy, but uh, it's just sitting back there collecting dust. You gotta put what's in that book into your head. You gotta have the mind of Christ. That's where the pastor has to teach it to you, unfold it to you, make a meal for you. You don't just pick it up and look at it. It's a textbook. It's designed to be taught to you. So when the Bible says you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, that perfect peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And it means to be complete, to be completed. It means to have health and prosperity and safety, peace with God. Listen, God will not war against you. And peace with man, friendship and tranquility and contentment. There are two types of pieces right there. Peace with God. You don't want to be at war with God. How do you wind up at war with God? Well, the Bible says God makes war against the arrogant, but he gives grace to the humble. And peace with men, thinking on the same page, having friendship in Scripture. I have lost friends, people that used to be great friends, but they changed the way they think. They moved away from thinking doctrine into a different way of thinking. When we don't have anything to talk about, we're not very good friends. Because we just, it's more to talk about than just how are your children. I mean, you have general acquaintances and you talk to them about how are your children, how's your life, is everything going okay? But that's not the kind of friend I'm talking about. I'm talking about a friend that you have a camaraderie and a community and a communication with, it's in the scripture, in the word of God, and you think alike. You're on the same team. You have tranquility and contentment in your soul and you're stabilized in all circumstances in your life. And you can even be free of worry. Yes, First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, whose mind, yetzar, the Hebrew word, <clears throat> and it means the intellectual framework of your soul, your mind. If your mind is stayed, stayed, 
Wow, what kind of word is stayed? It's samak. It means to rest. The Hebrew word samak means to rest or to lean against. And uh, it's frequently used as a verb pattern, and it expresses simple action to start maybe in the past and continue in the future. So God wants you to have an action or a condition or <clears throat> an unbroken content continuity that may be used now or even in the future, keeping your mind on him. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee <clears throat> because he trusteth in thee. Trusteth, batak, is a cow passive participle, and that's a Hebrew verb breaking it down for you. It means to trust or to be secure, constantly secure. And uh, like Psalm 118, verse 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in a man. In Proverbs 3.26, for the Lord shall be thy confidence. In Proverbs 3.3, we have no confidence in the flesh. And so you want to be confident in something? Well, trust in the Lord. How do you do that? You keep your mind on him and you have perfect peace. You have a relaxed mental attitude. So this Christian life is designed for you to have peace not only in the tough times in your life, but also in the times when you have prosperity. It's this, this mindset I'm talking about is a, a confidence that sustains you, even through adversity or prosperity. It sustains you. It helps you not to fall apart, and it helps you not to become arrogant. In 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a stabilized mind, a sound mind. Those are Paul's last words. The Christian life is not designed for us to fall apart, but to be stable in our thinking, not to be agitated like a washing machine agitates the clothes, but to have a stable mindset, not for your mind to be like a dog wagging his tail back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but to be stable. How do you do that? I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That means you stick with the word of God. You take in the word of God every day. You, you get up and you say, thank you for this day, Father. And what, have, what do you have for me this day? You spend time each day learning God's word. You stay in fellowship each day with God. You look for opportunities to share Christ throughout your day. That's you. But if you're thinking human viewpoint, if you succumb to satanic infiltration, well, then you wind up miserable. And you, sometimes you can't even distinguish you from the unbelievers. So we're warned in 2 Corinthians 10.5 about the way we think. It says we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought, bringing into captivity every thought, casting down, that's the power of a thought to demolish the strategy of the devil. See, Satan has a strategy towards you, and how do you defeat him? By thinking the mind of Christ. Casting down every imagination 
every logismos in the Greek, every system of thought, every system of reason, and every high thing that's an obstacle of pride or anything that exalts itself or elevates itself. Elevate the assault. Satan will attempt to attack you by what you think. He will attack the gnosis in your left lobe. Those, those are the things you haven't quite applied yet. You've learned them, but you haven't started living by them. And he tries to stop you from cycling that knowledge that you've learned into wisdom that you believe and live by. He tries to do that by distracting you, discouraging you. That's how he defeats you. So we must cast down all these imaginations, high things, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity, here it is, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bring into captivity means to submit every thought to the mind of Christ. Every thought, every battle in your life can be won if you follow divine viewpoint thinking. But when emotions dominate thought, subjectivity controls your life, if you wear your feelings on your sleeve, well, your personality does not change when you get saved. We know that for a fact. But your thinking should. Your viewpoint should. You should have a new way of thinking, a whole new life reflecting what you think. It's part of the concept of the believer having some inner beauty in his soul from the filling of the Holy Spirit and from divine viewpoint taking, thinking. It magnetizes you. It, it makes unbelievers attracted to you and even believers attracted to you because they recognize what you have. They don't have. And in that sense, witnessing becomes very, very easy because you're magnetic and people come to you. In Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. Wow. Is that not an amazing thing? Amazing to know how you can think and live and operate in the devil's world, free of arrogance, free of emotion, concentrating on the mind of Christ, keeping your mind in God's word, staying filled with God's Holy Spirit, looking for opportunities on a day-to-day -day basis. You are what you think. You are what's in your mind. Not what you think you are. You are what you think. And God knows your motives. He knows your intentions. And he knows your desires. You'll fail, but you can rebound. You can get up and you can keep moving. Don't look back. Look forward. Every day is a grace gift from God. Thank you for listening. Hope you'll come back next week. Same time, same place. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.